You know, they say if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say something nice, so I won't say nothing at all. <laughs> I ain't nothing nice. You hear me? <laughs> I say, whoa, welcome to the Best Friend Weekend Podcast. It's another episode of Nothing Nice to Say with your man Aldo Nice. We're doing another special. Um, I wasn't saying it's a one-off, but this is the second time I've done this in the span of a week. So I guess it's not a one-off. I guess it's a thing. It might be a thing. Y'all think it's a thing? I think it's a thing. Uh, without further ado, I want to introduce uh, my guest for the day. I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. You can introduce yourself, young lady. Uh, good evening. This is Dr. Kristen A.M. And I am joining this evening um, to have a little discussion. I guess in my introduction, I should say that I am the second to oldest sister of Aldo Nice. And um, looks like I'm coming in second to my older sister, but it's okay. I'm used to being the middle child, so I'll take it. So, I mean, that is kind of something that I wanted to talk about. I mean, I did, I'm happy that you're here. We are. I didn't give you like, um, like the same kind of reception, I guess. I said, I said some words like illustrious, whatever. And I, I used some other, some other big bravado words when I was, um, introducing my other sister. Um, but, you know, I didn't do that for you because I felt like you would be able to encapsulate that on your own because you have the ability to be your own. No? You're not going with that? Nah, um, nah. Go ahead and, and, and smash that thing. So let me ask you a question. Are you all in your bag? Um, are you um, are you just like LeBron? Because I was listening to J. Cole's uh, Middle Child earlier. Do you um, like do you have some kind of a affinity towards that track? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, clearly, I, I just live my life and, um, you know, blame it on other people. Blame the, the middle child syndrome. I go ahead. I, I, I lean to that often. The black sheep. And I just roll with it and everybody accepts it. So, hey. <laughs> you know. Whatever. What else, man? No, nah, I just, um like I said, once again, I think that it's very interesting that in these trying times, in these unprecedented times, that um the expertise of my two um siblings, my two illustrious siblings, are um things that are called upon that people need and that people are are asking about and I think that it's you know it's our duty it's my duty as a um as a person who provides content to provide some content that may be helpful for you guys out there who are still trying to figure out things um during this covid um 19 as I hold my little hold my um my my tea with my um <laughs> with my pinky finger out during this covid 19 pandemic um yeah I want to give y'all some good information and the first thing we did was Tanya talked a lot about working from home and that was something that um, it was an interesting conversation that we got a lot of good feedback on where people was like, hey, look, this helped me in what they wanted to do this week. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about what you did. And you started by calling yourself and referring to yourself accurately as Dr. Kristen A.M. Um, all about the money. Is that what A.M. stands for? OK, never mind. I wish but, it was. I really wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> does it mean does it mean you get up early in the morning? Is that why it's Kristen No, a. no, none of that. No, no. Is it like um, Kristen A.M. like. I am, cause, cause, cause I am. Yeah, that's what we gonna go with. 
Because <laughs> I am. Okay, cool. Um, but no, the um, tell us a little bit about your doctorate. Um, and like, what did you do your um, what what's your education background? What what do you do with that? Okay, well, um, I originally went to LSU, Louisiana State University, champs. Uh-huh, please stop. Uh-huh. No, please stop. I need you to stop because I don't want you to lie to the people. You started at Xavier University. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I started at Xavier University in 1997. I was not a fan of the fact that it was majority girls, and I was driving back and forth to Baton Rouge on a regular to hang out with my friends. So I transferred after two years at Xavier to the illustrious LSU. I became a tiger and um, I went into biological science and that's what I graduated in. Uh, once I graduated in biological science, I um, went ahead and um, graduated and started teaching and got a um, alternative teaching certification, taught in New Iberia for six years, um, um, teaching biology. And um, then I decided I wanted to go back to school. Came back to Baton Rouge, and if we're going to be clear here, I originally started at Southern University in um, environmental toxicology uh, while I was working here in Baton Rouge. And um, then my principal at the time, he explained to me that, you know, he thought I would make a great administrator. I had a lot of good things to offer. And so I switched over to the Ed Leadership Program uh, while that was occurring. LSU had an opening. They were doing a program for teachers of science and math. And so I applied for that program. It was a free program and I got in. Um, And honestly, I think a lot of that had to do with them having to get their numbers up with black people, but that's just me. And um, once I got into that program, I was able to get a master's in natural science uh, for educators. But I did stay at Southern University Um, during the regular semesters and got my plus 30. So when I graduated, I was able to jump right into um, an ed specialist certificate program. And as I was finishing that, um, some ladies were looking at my transcript and they said, you know, you're like three classes in a dissertation away from a PhD. So while LSU was taking my credits, I decided to just roll with it. And so I got my PhD in um, curriculum and instruction, and I focused on the school to prison pipeline, um, interviewing um, men who were incarcerated and were currently working on their bachelor's degree or had attained their bachelor's degree while they were incarcerated at Angola. So that is my background um, and my focus for the most part, is a lot of penal reform because I got really in into the uh, the world, <laughs> got really into the world of penal reform and and criminal justice, and um, also tying that into my babies at school. Um, so, so if I had to, if I wanted to reform my penal, like how would I go about doing? Well, you know, originally <laughs> when I was young, I wanted to be a penophilogist. <laughs> At the time, I didn't know that was really a urologist, but um, oh, really? I guess I fulfilled my dream of being a penophilogist. So I don't know what to tell you to do with your penal, <laughs> um, but um, you know. Nah, but you, you you spoke a lot about um actually your education background. That's um that's dope. Like um that whole journey into um into how you got to that, and I think it's a lot of um interesting topics. We have a lot of good conversations about just kind of like 
our kids and how we're going to how we're going to teach them to make sure that that school to prison pipeline does it. We don't perpetuate um, that type of thing. But I know that when you first um, were finishing up your 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 work, you were working as a special uh, a district specialist in a school mm-hmm. district. And now you're back and now you're on a campus doing something specific. So what do you do on the campus that you work well, with? actually. You're right. I did. I was an actual district specialist for science while I was working on my Ph.D. Once I got my Ph.D., I worked a year still doing that. And then I realized I needed to put my hands more into the school system. I was going to the schools. I was seeing these kids who were lacking. I was seeing these teachers who were not teaching them what they needed. Um, I think around that time, Alan, you and I had started uh, discussing culturally relevant pedagogy and talking about how to be culturally relevant in classrooms and teaching. And I wasn't seeing that. And so um, I went ahead and spoke with a principal and asked to come on his team because they had just reopened the school. And I was starting from the kind of ground up, helping them build their culture in the school. And so once I went over to um, that high school, I became the instructional specialist at that particular school, which kind of opened the door for me to do some other things um, like I have a nonprofit, which is called Beloved Community, a bridge to enhance the lives of offenders and victims through education and dialogue. And so with Beloved Community, um, I was able to bring that into the school and start a club with kids who had incarcerated parents or who had been incarcerated themselves and work with them in some areas of, of social um Lord, I want to say social distancing because of the times we're in, but <laughs> work with them on, on on being social, not being ashamed of being a, a child who has an incarcerated loved one, um, being able to, you know, do better than their predecessor and the ones who were coming back to school, helping them get reacclimated to the school system or the school era. So I am currently an instructional specialist at a high school here in Louisiana. Okay, so, I mean, obviously this is, um, it's a wealth of things that we could talk about. And honestly, we're going to have, like like I um, told Tanya before, I'm going to have her back on and talk about things from time to time. Because there's other, you know, outside of your area of expertise, there's always some good things that we can just talk about and, um, and some good topics that you have a lot of expertise in as well. Um, but the one that I really want to talk about today, the one that I really kind of want to delve into all of that is, you said you work... You've been in education and you're a like you, you're um, you have your doctorate in education, meaning that you are a expert in education. And a lot of people are experts in a lot of things. I know some people who are experts at cutting grass. I know some people who are experts at cutting hair. I know people who are experts at being a nurse. I know people who are experts at um, I don't know, at the stock market. Right. But your thing and very similar to mine is education. And I think that it's interesting now that every a lot of people are being forced, and I use the word forced purposefully, forced to educate their own children. What are your general thoughts on that? Because this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how we can help to give some tools potentially and maybe some ideas as to how um, parents can 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 be teachers. Because you can't be a teacher, right? Like you can you can do your best to. To help have your child have an educational experience while they're at home, but right. I, I would it's be like summertime. Right, I would be remiss if I said that. Oh, all of the doctor's offices are closed across the United States, so now my child comes home and I'm going to be a doctor. Well, no, I'm not going to be a doctor because I'm not going to be good at it. Like I, I got those people got trained to be doctors, 
just like teachers have to go through pedagogy, like they have to learn how to be teachers. They have to learn how people learn. You have to know um, how to how to administer things and how to not just teach things one way. There's a lot of different nuance to how you teach and be effective that parents aren't going to not they're not going to be great at it. But we can help them to get some skills to be better at it that anyone can do. Um, so I don't know. That's a, a lot of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what are we doing right now? What is what are your initial thoughts on just kids at home with their parents all day? Like, and I like how you said like summer, <laughs> but like summer started two months early. Right. Well, I'm going to say this, that um, my initial thoughts when everything began was um, a about how we were going to get information to students. And then I started looking around at the different places and not just um, here, not just in my district, but outside of my district and outside of the state where there were different mandates being put in place, people putting different things in place. Um, Our school is actually one-to-one. So all of us have Chromebooks. Based on that, um, you would think that you could send them home home with their Chromebooks and say, okay, we're going to start doing these lessons. We have Google Classroom. We have all this, that, and the fourth. But you have to realize I also work at an inner city school, which is the only school in this uh, district that is one area code. And it has mm-hmm. shut down for a while because of the fact that um, – it was, it was so bad. There was so much going on and it was like this rebirth of the school. And so a lot of our kids don't have, so they may go home with the Chromebook at night, but some of them don't charge them. Well, we fussed at them for not charging the Chromebook. We don't know if they had lights last night or they didn't do the work that was assigned on, on Google classroom Well, they may not have uh, internet access. And so it's like on the, the, of, the second level of Maslow's, like, right? They got shelter, right. but they might not have electricity, that type of thing. Right, right. right. So we, we gave them, um, actually, at the beginning of the school year, there was an opportunity for them to get either discounted, I believe. I think it was discounted, um, discounted internet access. But how many of those parents, because a lot of our parents are... Um, not necessarily the parents that are going to run out and do these things or even yeah, know I mean, to do these things. I um, mean, but even if the if the parents know it, I mean, why would the parents want to get internet access for their kids when the kids want Jordans? I mean, you got to get them Jordans, right? I mean, that's how. And that's the kind of community um, <laughs> that a lot of my students are living in or they live mm-hmm. in a cycle of poverty. And so when I looked at that and then I spoke with our older sister about um, – her friend's sons, son and daughter, who actually go to a um, um, kind of an affluent school. It's not a private school, but it's a um, affluent like neighborhood a, a school. Magnet or something like that. No, it's not even a magnet. It's I think the district is just a, a, a prosperous district. Um, honestly, a side note. I honestly had this conversation with uh, Gramstar the other day. We was talking about. He was asking about kids just in general in schools in, in the Houston area. And I made it a point to say the best schools are like the high uppity, whatever private schools that cost a hundred thousand dollars to go to. Obviously, those are going to be the best schools. They might not have the best teachers, but it'll be the best environment. They'll have all of the resources, whatever, whatever. But I'm like a close second are public schools in HISD. It just depends on what neighborhood you live you in. You live in. So when pa- right. so when parents say I moved to this area because the schools are good. That like a school district is big. Like every school in that district is not the same. Ours they might is the have second school. largest in the state. 
right? So there's probably some good schools in your district. Oh, yeah. And probably some some terrible schools in your district. I can so. I can bet I can put money on and I don't know this for a fact because I'm not up in the upper level anymore, but I can tell you for a fact that our magnet schools I promise you they have uh, what they need to be able to take care of their business. But what floored me was we received an email that was telling us that everything we gave to the kids right now had to be enrichment. We couldn't grade them on anything. Okay, so let's back up. Let's back up. Let's back up. I I, I hear where you're going, but I I don't want to get too much in the weeds on that. We can have that conversation, but I want to ask this. You're saying that they only want to give enrichment packets. So I've been telling parents this, that at this point in the year... Students were at a point where they were reviewing for standardized testing pretty much at all grade levels. Um, So whatever they needed to learn in that grade level, they already knew. Am I wrong for saying that? Yes. Or is that accurate? Yes. I'm going to tell you you're wrong only because if they were teaching to the test, and I'm giving you a high school perspective. But you know teaching to the test is okay for me. I think teaching to the test is Listen, let me explain. Go ahead. Go ahead. If they were given a specific curriculum to follow, that means that they weren't finished with their curriculum. A lot of teachers were not finished with where they need to be in a curriculum to be able to start reviewing to prepare for standardized testing. The whole school year is a preparation for standardized testing from the day that they walk in. So (laughs) they're on a schedule to prep to do all of this work. And all of these things that are geared exactly towards what the test is going to be at the end. So, you know, it's to tell a parent that they were preparing for standardized testing. They've been doing that since the beginning of the school year. Right now, like in these few weeks would have been crunch time. Let's try to get in. Let's spray and pray. Get in as much information that we didn't get in before now. And then let's start reviewing and seeing where we at before we take these tests and embarrassed. So maybe maybe I feel a different way because I was teaching in um, Texas and you were teaching in Louisiana, but I think there are a lot of similarities in it. I mean, our pacing guide slash scope and sequence, whatever it would be, mm-hmm. would be like it would teach whatever it needs to teach. But right at around the March time is when we would have been like end of February is when I'm getting to the end of the curriculum that I need that I like everything's been covered. Mm-hmm. Now March starts and it's like oh it's star blitz or. Um, back in the day, it'd be text blitz, or for you guys, it might be leap leap blitz, or whatever um, whatever testing they're taking that they start preparing for that. So in my mind, it's targeted reviews, but they've learned all of those skills. But this is the reason I'm saying that, because if I'm a parent at home and I got my kids sitting there, now we we, we might need to have a speak a talk about elementary, middle, and high school. There's going to be differences there, but. If I got a kid at my house who's like, nah, I ain't got no work. They ain't gave me nothing, whatever. Or should the parent have to teach new things? Or should these things be things they already know and these kids should be reviewed? Well, I looked at a packet today. I'm just going to just, I actually had this conversation this morning with some of our instructional team. And the packet that they're going to be giving out tomorrow for us, for our kids, is an English ACT packet. And then there's a math 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade packet. And when I looked at the beginning of that packet, it said, uh, like, it gave you a little table of contents. And it said page 1 through 47 is review information 
or it's, it was called something else, something that the children probably wouldn't even know was instructional resources or something like that, for them to read over themselves. Now we're talking about 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds. If I give them a packet where the first 50 pages they need to be reviewing and then the next 30 pages they're doing problems and then the next 50 pages they're reading and reviewing and then they do some more problems and then they take a post-test. Serious right now. Okay. Do you seriously think they're going to do it? I don't. And I think that there are a lot of our students who like are concerned about their grades but don't know how to get them. So to what end? But these packets no, I'm, I'm curious. are not... Kristen, hmm? to what end? Like, you're sending this packet home. Is this what's supposed to go back to school and they get a grade on it? No, we're not supposed to grade them. That's the thing. We were told not to grade them on anything that was given during the time that we are out for the COVID. Okay, so let's not let's not harp on it. Let's not go deep into it in that way. Let's just say this. Can we agree that packets aren't the way to go? Packets are not the way to go, but... The packets were put into place because of the inequity in what our children okay. are able to Fair do enough. at home. Fair enough. Fair enough. That makes a lot of sense. If if they don't have the internet, like going, circling back to what you said, if they don't have the access um, to be able to do certain things, to be able to use the internet. I mean, because listen, if I'm creating some kind of a lesson plan or whatever, and this is something that um, I've talked about, I, I said it as like, and then I practice what I preach. Like um, I've, I've actually helped with some kids throughout this um this epidemic and help create lesson plans and such. And I mean, there's basic tools such as um, explore learning. Um, there's brain pop. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's, and I'm, that's and a science thing, right? And you all things that can, you need internet access yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. You. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I wasn't disputing that. Um, Khan Academy. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, I was talking to Brittany yesterday and she gave me some others. Um, Zern was one she gave yes, me. Yes, Zern is one me, we use. She gave me a, a few other things. It was like a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of, if you Google um, these different things, and even in, in the state of Texas, I know for a fact that if you go to like the Texas, um, the TEA website, mm -hmm. there's parent resources where right. it's like, Click on these, and then there's these lessons online where you can look at it and then ask your questions. So if you have access, yes, there are the the. It is better to use the tools that are online because these people are made. These things are made by educators, and a lot of times they have teaching in it where they're actually showing them how to do stuff, and then they're doing examples on their own so they can continue to learn. And a lot of these things are um are have machine learning algorithms in it. To where when you take certain questions, if you're doing well, it gets it like they they'll get harder. If you're doing poorly, it gets um a little gets gets a little bit more easy. So across the board, there are great tools. But I guess what you're talking about and what you're um, leaning in on is there will be some inequities there. There will be, and I mean, and I would expect that from you to advocate for the students that you see all the time because that's who you're seeing all the time. Well, I'm gonna just I want to say that I totally agree with what you just said. Um, that if you have the resources, if, um, my district has put out um, a, a plethora of things online. My, my, my principal, we've been putting on Google Classroom all of the different things they can go to. Like you said, Zern, um, Pearson, their books, their ACT resources, all of those things are online. So if I was okay, a where? parent... Hmm? Where? Where? They're on our district website. Okay, so is does every district's website probably have something similar to that? Yes, I would I would say so. 
And in I'm going to add to this, in Texas, if you look at the regional service center or in other states, you might want to look at the regional service center. They have um, um, things online as well. Um, and I'm going to add this one extra part. I use the term scope and sequence. If you if yes. if, um, if you're out there and you're not familiar with that, it's just the 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 outline of what will be taught throughout the year for different the students. Guy. Like, yeah, is we're going to start with like like let's say we're teaching biology. What would be a what would be like unit one in sales. biology? So they would start with the sales. Then unit two. What are we doing? Um, we would do cellular reproduction and continue. We would go deeper into the cell hop into some mitosis and stuff. And then like we would get to dichotomous keys and then we would see, I know a little bit about biology. Mm-hmm. I'm with this. No, evolution. Yeah, yeah, you know, evolution. Only because you worked with a biologist. Go, go. <laughs> really? I know I'm a, I'm a still, you know what I'm saying? STEM, you hear me? But um, no, but at the end of the day, these things are available for you to know what your kids are, were going to be learning and what was the plan. Yes. So as a parent, you can look and say, Okay, this is where the school year dropped off. These are the things they might not have gotten. And those are the things that you can target on sites like Khan Academy, yes. and sites like other places to learn that are whatever the whatever the district provides, they can do those lessons where they left off. It should be there for you to do. Also, so I just want to put that out as a disclaimer. Site has that. That's definite. The scope is yeah, because a lot of I mean I mean I, I I would be remiss if I didn't say this that our target audience, um of best friend weekend and the people who usually listen to this our podcast are college educated people right so a lot of times these are people who do have access and means to have things like the internet and such so i do want to speak to our audience specifically to tell them like this is where you can find right. these things if you need to but i'm i'm definitely interested in the inequities that you're talking well, about well before we talk about the inequities i do want to mention that you know you have to think about everybody keeps talking about having their children do things um, but one of the biggest things that I've seen that I think needs to be put in place is a schedule. Um, if they don't have a schedule, uh, then preach, then they're going to fall off. I mean, personally, I'm going to be honest. I've been watching the Tiger King until four o'clock in the morning and I have no schedule whatsoever. And I'm lost. Well, I mean, you and well, you said you went to um, LSU. You said you were a tiger, so I would assume that you do have a little affinity. The towards, Tiger King, um, Joe Exotics. Yeah, the Exotics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe Exotic. I was gonna actually, um, like she said, Kristen A M, because she didn't really want to let you know what her um, real last name is. Her real last name is actually Kristen Baskin, and she's related. <laughs> Uh, she's actually Carol Baskin's um, cousin. I mean, but I'm not. She's only my half sister, so that's her. <laughs> no, go ahead. Stop talking about the Tiger King. No, you, said a a, you said a schedule. schedule and I think- is, is the most important thing. They put out some districts, mm-hmm. some schools have put out a schedule. If you look on Instagram, if you look on Facebook, that's dope. people are putting that's out. Dope. You know, wake them up before nine a.m. Um, that's dope. Make sure they the morning time give them breakfast, and then after breakfast. That could be like math and social studies time. Um, then after math and social studies time, maybe free reading. Then um, or TV time. They can even put. I mean, you at home. Then have lunch. And after lunch, I suggest a nap. But that's just my personal opinion. And then after a nap, then they wake up and okay, now we're gonna do some English and science. 
you know, you'll go online and do that. And then in your day. So, but inherently when I, when I was helping with kids, that's exactly what I did. Um, when I was working with this little girl the other day, it was like, Hey, look, this is the time schedule that we're going to do. Like, this is exactly, um, what we're going to do from this time to this time. But I think that's kind of a, like the Venn diagram overlaps there between what you and what Tanya talked about before. And I think that's a hell of a, hell of a one too. It's a lot about scheduling. She spoke about how, when you work from home, you need to get up, you need to brush your teeth, mm-hmm. you need to wash your face, you need to do certain things, whatever. I think those things apply for your yes. kids. Wake your kid up before 9 o'clock, tell them wash their face, brush their teeth. You are the parent. They're going to listen to what you say do. Like, and, and if it becomes one of those things where it's like, oh, these kids don't listen and they don't whatever, well, then that's that moment where you got to go back and apologize for Woo! every time you said something about how that kid acting at school and doing whatever. Now, I wasn't going to be the person to, to d- triple down on that. But if you can't control your kid at your own house to make them do some activities, then you're the one who need to be given an apple and some... <laughs> like, I need to be getting gifts as a, to, to them teachers um, where you be sending that bad I've been child saying for days, for days, that many people are realizing now that the teacher was not the problem. <laughs> the teacher is not the problem. You're spending all day with this child that we spend all day with where we try to get them out the hall, make them sl- not sleep while they're doing their work, doing this, that, and the fourth, and then you all come right. into school fussing because they got an F. Well, he slept off the class. <laughs> well, well, listen, and what's the crazy thing is, think about it from a teacher perspective. If you got one of them children that when you wake up, your child, well, you get them to do their stuff and you put them on a schedule and you're like, okay, go work on math now. And I'm just going to throw this out there and I want to double back to this. I would say math, reading, um, maybe some history, maybe some science, those four things, some enrichment mm-hmm. of some sort, elective type of thing. That's really all you need. You don't need to go deep into the weeds with, with other things, whatever. Some kind of elective, some kind of motion, whatever. And those four basic pillars, mm-hmm. you should be fine. But let me come back full circle and say this. If you got a child who's just in the house who's trying to do their work and they're terrible at it and they're not smart and you realize, damn, my child's not that smart because some people probably figured that out. Guess what? Guess what? You probably going to be like, you know, my child not that smart, but my child listen. And guess what? Teachers feel the same way and they'll pass your child. Your child will get C's. Your child will get D's. We won't fail them because they're going to be trying to do their work and they're going to be like, mom, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. It might might bother you that they don't understand stuff because they're not smart, but... At the end of the day, you're not going to be whatever. But if you got one of them children who like, I'm not doing none of this. Right. And they don't know how to do it. Like, some kids might be like, I'm not doing none of this. But then when they do it, they can they can figure it out real quick. Them kids going to pass because they're smart. But then some of them, <laughs> not smart and don't want to do it. Oh, you're yeah, going to learn today. You're going to learn. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to, you mentioned parents. One of my good friends from work, the other instructional specialist, she actually has four daughters. And um, she's home right now with four stair stepdaughters. So her oldest is um, 13, and then everybody is three years younger than that. And so um, she. I like how she planned out right, her right. life like so that. So she's One losing time. her mind. <laughs> I laughed today on the phone with her because oh, she yeah. was actually talking about teachers and how. Some of the districts are asking, okay, they want you to still teach from home and put stuff online. But if you at home, entertaining children you're not used to entertaining she, all day long she how not can good. i teach my children can I tell you and this? teach your children at the same time your co-worker she should have she should have sat down one day and said look okay start the day nine o'clock 13 year old you and the four year old you get out of nap 
right? 10 year old, you teaching the seven year old this. All right, next, next break. 13 year old, you teach the 10 year old this. Boom. Seven year old, four year old, y'all color. Boom. Well, no, she, she, like, you gotta got, make she them has work them together. all with their own little individual <laughs> Chromebooks. Everybody, you know, they got their little mm-hmm. area they nope. go in. But, you know, children, they want to come out and, and pick at each other. No, Chris. How you think our parents um, lived with nine brothers and sisters and 11 brothers They took brothers care of each other. Because they taught each other. <laughs> we have to go back to some olden days right quick. Y'all need to... <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Thirteen year old, you are the mama from nine a.m. to three. I'm sorry, that's just how it work. You the parent today. Listen, see me later when you get up from work. Thirteen year old outside smoking a cigarette. Just, <laughs> nerve, bad, nerves bad. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but hey, I mean, come on, give me any other tidbits that you're thinking about in the education because I do want to talk about some other things. Um. Right quick, but um, any other tidbits that you're thinking about with the in regards to education? like I said, the biggest thing is about making sure they're on a schedule and making sure, like you mentioned, that they are 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 hitting their core four uh, content. If you do have internet access, which I'm more than sure that most of the listeners do, if you have internet access, go to your school website, go to your district website, and see what they're putting out. Most of them have a COVID link now where you can click on that and it's going to give you grade level specific what you need. Um, If you want to dig deeper, like you mentioned earlier, you can look at the scope and sequence and see where they should have been and then teach and then have them do lessons from there. I'm not really big on that because we don't know where every teacher is in her planning. Mm -hmm. So I would um, be more comfortable saying to look at the websites, know what's grade level and age appropriate for your child and make sure they're staying stimulated. The biggest thing for me is thinking about the elementary kids um, and making sure that they're staying enriched. That's more of the grade level where you're looking at enrichment and making sure that they're staying on a schedule and making sure that they're um, they're actually getting something. Um, as for your middle and high school, secondary, um, they know what they're supposed to be doing. It's more about laying down the law and making sure they're sitting down and doing some of those things. Um, because they're, 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 they're pretty much young adults. And when you're working with them every day and you realize that if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. But if you're giving them some title, boy, there's no incentive. It's not like you could tell them they can go to the movies or something. But um, They can eat. They can eat and have running water if they yeah, want. Yeah, they they can. I, I don't I don't suggest putting them outside um, because they didn't do their um, their ACT packet. But um, oh no, you, you didn't do your ACT packet. All right, now you got to go to Walmart <laughs> with no <laughs> with mask. No, with no oh, and, and another thing, you talked about doing creative things. Um, I really like the idea. I gave this to my friend today. She's gonna teach her daughters how to hand sew because last night I stayed up and made myself a mask. Don't judge me. And so I used my little hand stitching, you know, creativity and created a really nice, really pretty mask out of some material I had and put a little filter in the middle. It's real great. You know, so some you might want to look at some creativity activities, things like making a mat, making things, uh, cutting out. Coronavirus related, you know, something else like you might want to let your kids watch videos um, on like the coronavirus and get real facts behind it. So they're not nervous or scared. Or about think the that black that people can't get it. I hope people don't think that anymore because yeah. I had a 
I mean, shit. Kids, kids are probably more susceptible to fake. Well, they news had than a, a parent people, who so. clearly walked into the office about four days before we got let out, and she said, "I ain't worried about it because black people can't get it." And me and the principal looked at her and said, "What? Are you serious right now? That sounds like some old Fox News. Please stop spreading that to the masses." Yeah, I mean, come on, man. That's us, man. We we know us as a people. Let's just let's just leave us alone. I mean, um, I what I think I'll say this too before we get off this subject that um, this is gonna be the longest summer vacation ever. And, and look, um, hint, hint, hint. Let me say something interesting. Uh, and I don't mean that. I don't mean that for educators. I mean that more for parents. Like this is what you should have been doing during summer vacation for every year that your child has been alive. You should be, while your kid's there for summer vacation, if they're at home, putting them on a schedule, making them do enrichment things, making them still learn, making them do these homeschooling type of things. So when they go back the next year, they'll be whatever. It's not, oh, it's just a break. Do whatever the hell you want because they start, they, they revert. And um, just an FYI, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, parents, you might look at this as maybe a blessing in disguise to say, okay, now I understand what type of things I need to be doing with my students, my children, going forward to make sure they don't regress. And guess what? You might get them to go to college for free, and you might not have to pay money. And this, this, these and are all things that honestly, Alan, this is the these are the things that we did as as youth. Our mama kept us absolutely. on a schedule. It might have been a later schedule after ten, um, but we had a schedule. We went to swimming lessons. We did this. We had summer programs where we actually were enriched. It wasn't like we were just dropped to camp. Um, so um, I could remember being in elementary school, which was funny, funny to me, but I would have the book for the next school year's reading, that reading book the summer before. And, oh yeah, I was about to say something about summer reading. And I would be reading the book, like the, the actual textbook that we had for third grade. I had it the summer of, before the third grade. So and, you thought you was live? Well, you know, your nanny provided it to me. And so um, <laughs> mama would make me go and read those things, you know, go sit in the corner and read. You know, I hated reading because of it, but, you know, I still read it. And, um, you know, like I said, it was just um, it, that's very. I don't know how. See, I think I was just speaking about myself when I said the thing about how some kids are smart and they're just not going to do what they're supposed to do. And definitely it was me in high school because I can't remember ever doing the summer reading list. I can't remember my mama ever really making me do the summer reading list. I don't remember even going to get the books. I remember going to the library once and maybe getting Watership Down or something like that or Animal Farm or whatever we were reading. But I don't ever remember reading them. I remember getting bad grades when I go back to school and they would give us a test mm-hmm. the first week because I wouldn't know. I wouldn't read the books. I would try um, to read it, but it just never happened. I would always be frantically <laughs> trying to hurry up and read it and then fail. Can I? Can I tell you how much I hate the fact that these kids these days probably all they got to do is put an audio book on and go sit down and listen to it? Bruh. I would be all about an audio book as a kid. Bruh. You know what? I probably wouldn't do it. Or would we do it? Would we? Yes. We would have put you it on so? or like learning through osmosis. Put that thing on when you go to sleep. <laughs> and listen to about 15 minutes every night before you go Let to sleep. Let that thing just play until you, until you fall asleep. Man, an audio book is a cheat code, man. And like, I mean, I remember having audio books. I actually remember that's how I read Animal Farm. I went to the library, the New Library Public Library, and I, it was tapes. It was like cassette tapes. And it was like, because I definitely remember sitting down. It was like maybe two cassette tapes. And I listened to that whole damn book um, <laughs> like that. But 
These kids got it on their phone, man. Pull it up. Go to YouTube. You can listen to the whole book. With somebody <laughs> acting the shit out. Oh, excuse me. I wasn't supposed to curse. Sorry. What I tell you about cursing on my podcast? You know we don't do that on Best Friend Weekend. Sorry. It was nothing nice to say. Okay. The views expressed by um, Dr. Kristen A.M. are not the views of Best Friend Weekend um, as a whole. So, how is Baton Rouge during doing during the quarantine? How is it, um, or I mean, you know, during the, the crisis? How is it, I mean, I guess in comparison to what we see, we see NOLA. People think New Orleans is, is Louisiana. How's Baton Rouge doing? Louisiana is not taking it seriously. People are still kind of uh, still congregating. Um, recently, oh that by that little Bayou by Hammond. There, there oh, was a wow. um, there was a they they charged that um, preacher. There was a preacher in Central who was still having these large congregational church services, and uh, mm-hmm. they charged him with disobeying an order from the governor. He had like six counts finally, um, and then. You know, I definitely I knew he was black until I saw he was white. Oh no no oh no no, that's what took him. So, <laughs> but that's what took so long to charge him. See, they wasn't going to no. charge him off front, off top. They had to think about it. Um, gotcha. So I think that Baton Rouge as a whole, um, I really haven't been leaving home. When I do leave, it's just to go run into Walmart and run out with my little gloves and mask. Um, but um, it's slower. You can see that there's not that many people on the streets, not that much traffic. If you ride around, you don't see as many people. Now, there are issues with the park congregation. You see people playing basketball. Um, that's just a no-no, but they out there. The number one corona spreader. Let's touch my let's sweat, touch my face, touch the ball, pass that ball to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they out there doing that in the park behind my house. There actually was a shooting about three days ago. I was like Pearl from 227. Well, they said that. They said that shootings are okay because that's more than six feet. It's like you can social distance and still shoot somebody. Well, I don't know. I was just peeking out my window to see what happened. Um, oh. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good social distancing as well. But I think that's not good um, practice to look out the window when shootings are happening. I'm just, I don't know. Like, I can't speak specifically for what the police protocol would be. But I would assume if you hear gunshots in Southside Baton Rouge. Well, usually, I'm in the north, just... of Baton, north Baton Rouge, but usually I do just slide down on the sofa. But this time, I heard screams afterwards, so I decided to go and... <laughs> Knowing you, I would have thought you would have hopped in a tub. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I got oh, my, I got my, uh, my crossbow, so let's be clear. I'm ready. Why do you have a... Could, could you explain to the, um, to the listening audience? Because in real life... Um, this this food and bought a crossbow. <laughs> Why do you have a crossbow? First of all, I do not like having. I don't like guns, and I don't really believe in them. I believe in having not anybody. I mean, for myself, I'm not talking about other people. I'm scary. I'm somebody. I've been in shot my dog or a mirror in the middle of the night. Okay, so I've never really wanted. A- Secondly, um, the crossbow. I've been thinking about learning how to bow hunt. Like, just want to in life. And so, okay, I know you want me to say it. I'm a fan, okay, of The Walking Dead. And I love Daryl. And I thought that having a crossbow, a small crossbow, that I could hurry up and load and shoot would be some type of protection for my home. 
And so I went ahead and bought the zombie reactor crossbow. How much did so this that cost? I would have in these um, trying times. How much did this so, crossbow cost you? Huh? How much did this crossbow cost you? Oh, it was a cheap one. It was like uh, $90. It was cheap one. And they run up to like two something, $300. Um, but I got a cheap one. It's small enough. It fits in my hand. It shoots. It's, it's uh, 50 pounds. It's good enough for home protection, it said. And Timothy said, um, my, one of my cousins, he said that, you know, if he walked in my house and I pulled out a crossbow, he would stop. How about you just get a boomerang or a slingshot if this is <laughs> <laughs> a fucking tambourine? What it like? No, I mean, it's like, a crossbow. <laughs> it has a it has a trigger. Okay. No, I mean, I, I I don't want you to shoot me with a crossbow. I looked at that the little the the arrow. It does look like it would pierce me and hurt, and I don't want that. I don't want any part of that. But can I just be honest? I think that the I think the uh, margin for error is a little bit. Um, more or less is is a little bit less with the crossbow and i feel like i don't think you're gonna hit i think you're gonna miss unless you're in there practicing have you been practicing and shooting your crossbow not yet or do but you just plan for when somebody to break in your house that's when you your i'm gonna first whip time it out it. yes <laughs> well i don't even think i'm gonna have to shoot it is what i'm telling you once i so hold I'm a looking, crossbow I'm on go- you i'm googling right now and it seems to still be open because it's an essential business a um, couple of streets down from your house, there is a, it's a crossbow range where you can, <laughs> I can go practice. <laughs> practice in People throw axes and crossbows. It's all there. Archery, the whole nine. You can, you can go ahead and bring your compound bow uh, with you. Um, you. So, um, so do you, um, yeah, everything else. And you said you've been And staying- I can't have a gun in my house eventually when my husband comes home. That's the other reason. Well, I mean, you did say that um, you talked about your beloved community and the kids that you work with and how um, you try to teach them not to be ashamed of um, having an incarcerated loved one. So, yes, um, that's a whole nother episode we're going to talk about. So you do, you say when your husband comes on, you could talk a little bit about your husband if you would like. Well, I was just going to mention that I do the reason that I started the organization and I got so deep into, um, I'm not going to say penal reform anymore. Criminal justice reform <laughs> is, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to because that my husband is incarcerated. He is at Angola. Um, he has a life sentence, but we are currently awaiting the grace and mercy of the governor to sign his, um, his clemency. And, um, he received um, a recommendation about two, well, about a year and a half ago, um, for immediate parole eligibility, which would make him be able to come home. He should have been able to come home this year, but then the coronavirus hit, and we know the governor has a whole lot of other things on his plate other than worrying about signing his paperwork to come home. Um, but uh, he is incarcerated, and. Um, I did meet him before I started my PhD research project, and he was my inspiration for that. So do they have that Rona in there? Well, um, there is. We got a... Well, my homeboy who locked down in uh, Big Troy in in, um, Georgia told me, he said they locked down 23 hours a day. He said they're just not letting them do nothing. 
Well, they're not letting them congregate like they used to. Angola is a different type of facility than most people think. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that go on in there that are like typical. It's almost like its own community. Um, and so they've stopped like the different programs they have at night, like the Malachi Dads program, church services, different things like that. So they really don't have anything to do. Um, they are staying mostly in their dorms unless they have to go to work. Um, but I'm actually on the advisory board for Louisiana Department of Corrections, um, families of the incarcerated. We had a meeting um, about just uh, our regular meeting and most of the people on there were asking about what's being done. Um, they did put out a video telling us that about social distancing, but I'm a little, just just a little concerned at the fact that you have up to 80 people in a dorm mm -hmm. and their beds are not six feet apart. So I don't know how you can socially distance them, but they said that they're taking care of it and they're working on it. Um, they're, they're cleaning up more than usual, doing more disinfecting. Um, because once it gets into the prison system, it's going to spread like wildfire. Yeah, I mean, what would you say to somebody who responds and just says that, hey, um, I mean, them boys, like, them boys, we can't, there is no more space for them boys. Like, like we can't build a, um, more space for them in that way. Like, that's the, the accommodation well, there is we no, have. There is no real accommodation for them. Because let me um, tell you something that's crazy. In Harris County today, like, they, well, I don't know if it's a fact, but this is what they were saying earlier. They let a uh, 1,000 people out of jail today. Like, well, just that's, because. That's what they did in Arlene's parish. They let a, okay. a few out. Who's people who were, when these are parish jails, we're not talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, county. The, in, in, DOC, um, yeah, county jails. In those, they can go in and look at the people who uh, have misdemeanors, the people who yeah. may be just waiting on a trial date, so they're not convicted of anything yet. And they can uh, lessen the population that way. Um, gotcha. as it pertains, so it's a little bit less dense. I got you. But Louisiana is number one in the world for incarceration. So you have so. to realize that we have much more dense populations. I know they reopened some areas. They set up some areas within um, LSP, Louisiana State Prison, Angola. Uh, they, they opened up some spaces in there for quarantine. Um, I know that they recently had a newspaper article that said that, that there's one, <laughs> one inmate has been found to have corona in the whole DOC. And um, a couple of, of people that work there and that they were First quarantining all, him and, and the people in his dorm. And so that's supposed to be, that was a, a newspaper article that came out the other day. I truly don't believe that First of all, we can't person. get tested. We can't get tested. So what make you think they're going to pay for money for all them boys locked up to get tested? That's my Sorry. biggest, that's, that's been one of my concerns. Uh, but again, being on the board and trying to stay as neutral as possible and just kind of waiting for them to do what they need to do. Uh, you got to kind of be patient because then there is no real fix for 80 people in the housing dorm. There's no, no I mean, fix for that. It, but so I mean, all they can is. do so is clean and and separate out the ones who get sick and put all the sick people together. And But one of the big things with Louisiana, the issue, is that we have a lot of elderly incarcerated people more than anybody else. Oh, yeah. I saw I saw them on Investigation Discovery. Really? We was on there? Yeah. they had a There was a whole episode on Angola, and it was like these dudes, a dude had killed somebody, and like 
1950-something. The dude was like 78 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah, man. And, so and, we have Angola. a lot of elderly and uh, people in hospice and uh, things like that. So uh, a medical furlough or something like that would probably help decrease because a lot of our population, like I said, is over 60 or over 65. Um, but I, I hear you, but let me ask you this. Um, is that why you can't go to um, visit right now? Cause, they stopped the visit. Because you got that... Cause you got that Rona. Okay, so you're gonna not be putting telling people these things. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just the HIPAA laws I mean, require that you have my permission to discuss my own uh, <laughs> health. My health. Now, well, you told me a couple of weeks ago it was just your doctor said it was just strep throat. Mm-hmm. But did they do the Rona test? They won't Rona test me because it's over. Because I have gotten over the hump. Okay, I am in the clear. It's the rest of y'all who. Uh, I'm on the other side of this thing. You got the antibodies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, no, they had actually stopped visits for 30 days originally. Um, mm-hmm. But I can remember going up there with mom and dad um, right before they stopped visits. And I was sick then. So uh, imagine how many people came. Yeah. Majority of the people in prison are from New Orleans. The, and, and Louisiana State Penitentiary, everybody from New Orleans. Well, okay. So let me just, I'm, I'm just going to say this and I'll wrap it with this, that um, the reason the New Orleans thing is a thing is because of Mardi Gras. And boys that's from New Orleans wasn't at Mardi Gras. They was in jail. Really? So they probably weren't, like, <laughs> New Orleans people don't have special antibodies that, I mean, special, like, um, no, blood I'm saying systems that, that make them have more susceptible. We were visiting after Mardi Gras. Mom, me, mom, oh, and daddy okay. went to visit. I got and you. It was so like, you said a lot of New Orleans, New Orleans people might have came. Yeah, the, the visiting shed is full of New Orleans people. Not to say that New Orleans people are like some infected breed or anything, but Mardi Gras was the perfect petri dish to disperse, you know, a coronavirus. Well, you saying all of this? So you saying you had my uh, my my parents over there um, at Angola around um, nothing but people with. That Rona and they over sixty. They, That's what's your, up. Your See, parents this is what you're doing asked right now. to go. Okay, your daddy stuck his head in the car today to talk to somebody. All right, Kristen Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I see what you're doing, man. So I did end the podcast I did with Tanya with um some big sister moments. So I got to give you an opportunity to have a couple of big sister moments um as well. So like one of the things that I did ask Tanya was, when did you know I was live? Mm-hmm. That was exactly the question I asked her. I mean, I know you heard. So when did you know that I was live? You heard me? Well, I don't know how to say the word live. I don't know if to use live as the I like word. live. I think, do you not think live is the word we grew up saying? We did, did. That's live. Is that what we yeah, aspired? We aspired to, to be, be live. live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At some so, point, I wanted to be nice, but way back in the day, I definitely all I wanted to be was live. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I I would say I gave you a live stamp actually at your Sigma probate, and <laughs> and I'm gonna kind of turn that to a conversation you and I had. Um, you know, I came, my sister and I came to your probate, but uh, you actually came to my probate. Mm-hmm. And I remember you telling me that that was the moment you realized that I was cool. Oh, did I say like, that? I said that a lot. You told me that. Mm-hmm. You were okay. like, you, wow, I just didn't realize, you know, you know, when you were in the environment, it kind of just kind of jolted you into, you know. Now, I'm going to be honest. The, I thought the probate program was great. It was cool. You was by yourself. You did the damn thing. You know, it was awesome. 
was I happy about you being a Sigma? Is that the next question you were going to ask me? I mean, shit, you you running it and running your own interview. Go ahead, talk. Okay, uh, and I'm only running it off because the fact that I, I listened to Tanya's, um, <laughs> and that um, honestly, I remember this is my recollection of it. I remember you calling me and telling me that you were going to be a sig, you were going to play a Sigma. And I immediately hung up the phone with you after you told me. I was like, oh, okay. And I just was like, what the hell? And I called my sister and I remember us having a conversation. Now, I don't remember exactly what that conversation was. So I'm not going to throw her completely under the bus. But I don't think we, I think we discussed the fact that what we would have wanted you to do. You know, I was leaning towards, uh, I would have wanted you to do, you said Omega with Tanya. I would have wanted you to do. Uh, KSI or Alpha, because I fit you. I thought you fit better with them. But then I thought about Xavier, because you did mention I went there for two years, and what that Xavier Alpha and Kappa population looked like. And I realized you didn't fit with them. Oh, and then there were no Omegas, period, because they were on moratorium. And you said you didn't feel like you fit with them. And then after you did the Sigma thing, I realized that that was your call. That was where you needed. That was your your thing. You fit. With the same well, I mean, I feel, well, I feel like on a, on a lot of levels <clears throat> that it's it was different for me than it was for you and Tanya, and I, I can name all the rest of our cousins who are Deltas, um, because y'all didn't have a choice, and um, nobody was like, going to pay for anything else. There's yeah, there's there's no, it's not it's not equitable in that. And Sharon was a Delta, and is basically the decree from up high was that y'all were all going to be Deltas. Y'all learned it from the time y'all were kids. Y'all had cotillions the whole nine. And like I said before, I had a botillion, and like that was all through Delta. Like Delta was a thing around. I was a debutante, right? So I, so for me, I didn't have a like I didn't. It wasn't anything that was like a, a male organization that I felt an affinity towards in that way. And I think what you said is is very telling. And I tell that to people all the time. It's about where you're at. Like, I went to University of Illinois for one summer after I played Sigma. I was up there, and the IOTAs was cool. Like, huh? like you heard what I just said? It was like, the boys you know, had they a have crossbows, too. They... <laughs> dead. I'm dead right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you ever heard... Was you in Laurelville that time when uh, our little cousin Aaron was talking about what sound they make? And was just making up all kind of talking about some ooh, ooh, ooh ew, ew, just doing stuff. No, what does a minotaur do? I don't know. No, like a heart. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, if any, if any of the illustrious brothers of Iota, um, founded by uh, in 1991, founded. Anyway, I'm a, um, I saw a picture the other day, like one of the founders of Alpha. I mean, of Iota, his grandson pledged Iota at Howard, and it looked like the boys was like he was still the grand the the founder was still alive, is what I'm saying. I was like, oh, okay, well that's interesting. Them boys young, um, right? No, but anyway, let me go back to this. I think it's all a product of the school you go to. So I think you said all of that, and you came full circle with something. Had I, I mean, obviously there's there's different vibes for different people at different things uh, at different universities. And I think it, had I went to another university, maybe the Capitals would have been real cool and it would have been dudes from Nigeria and it would have been live and it would have been like that would have been what I would have been gravitated towards. Or I might have went to another school where I might have went to LSU and Magoo and, you know, our cousins might have been 
Omega's there. And I'd have been like, oh, my cousin in Omega. And I might have gravitated towards that. You know what I mean? So it's, right. it's different It's different and ways that that could have happened. I went to Xavier. But... Like I said, the Sigmas there were cool. They were like the cool people to hang out with. So... Yeah, I mean, and, and in that way, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think I. So I, I think that's it. interesting. I allow yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, but like you said, at the at the probate itself, I don't think I shocked myself when it was. Um, I just thought it was. I was. I was w- aware of the moment that I, I knew what was going on in the moment. I knew I was cool, and I was like, I thought that it would have been funny for you guys to see like, oh no, the other people at Xavier think Al cool because you know how you talk about your little brother. That's your little brother. That's weird. But I think there's a um, a, a difference between how you and I see things versus how me and Tanya see things. So the age difference between me and Tanya is, is a lot. Like we're, we're, we're a lot different in age. Me and you went to high school in the same time, right? right? So like we were at college at the same time. So it's a little bit closer in age to where we... Like certain things that be live. Like she said, the probate, she didn't think that was live. Like she was like, when you were a teacher, that was live. <laughs> no, I was already I mean, a teacher when you became a teacher. So it was kind of like, okay, go for it. <laughs> you ain't gonna make no yeah, money, I mean, but do yeah, it. I mean, but when I when I pledged, think about it. When I pledged, I you had were just like pledged. You were like twenty two. Yeah, yeah. You you were like oh two, right? No, I mean two thousand, right? Oh one, okay. So and I was oh two. So there you go. So that would be so that would be live, right? In um in in everything in regard. I mean, I don't know. I, as somebody asked me this the other day about our room. So <laughs> you stay. You were in a room with me until how old were we? Uh, Had to be until Tanya went to college. We were eleven. I was eleven. You were. You were eleven when you when we when you got your own room. I didn't really. I've never had my own room. Middle child syndrome. We're gonna go ahead and throw that out there. I have never had my own room. I shared a room with Tanya as a small child in her room. When she kicked me out, so I went into the next room, which was your room, and then we had both beds. And you and I slept in a room, which eventually was your room. And then when Tanya left for college. I was allowed to sleep in her room, but it was not uh, officially my room. So if you go to the house and say Kristen's room, Kristen has the creepy corner in the front of the house, which is the only place I've ever had, which was my room. I think that's I think that's hilarious <laughs> that if someone walks in the house, they'll be like, where's Al? Like if if we reference the room that Tanya sleeps in now as Al's room and we reference the room that I sleep in as Tanya's room, mm-hmm. but we no one has a room that we no. call Kristen's Kristen room. sleeps in the creepy room in the front or the camper. Because Tanya was in that room for like, yeah, over 10 years. You were only in there for six. And I was in that other room for 17 years and you were only in there for 11. So yeah, none of those rooms are for you. <laughs> middle child <laughs> I have no I don't know why that tickles me that that makes me um happy? that makes me laugh a lot I don't know it, it, it's just it's just funny I'm not gonna say the it makes mistreatment me happy. of your sister <laughs> and we wonder why you came out so um so unique and smart and smart <laughs> if that's that's what we're going with that you were unique and smart that's my claim. Okay, so what do you um? What other things do you remember? Any other cool things you remember about growing up that you want to share? Or otherwise, I'm gonna talk about um that window in Baton Rouge. The window? Oh no! <laughs> I laughed because the day I was actually talking about you, and the fact that our family had treaters, 
We're talking about treaters. I told today. this to somebody the other day. We're talking about we call it, we call it healers, though. Well, treaters, healers, two haters, they have all this all different names. But uh, I was telling somebody today, because they were talking about their daughter had nosebleeds, and said my brother had nosebleeds all when we were little. We had to sleep with a humidifier in the room because he would wake up just gushing. And you would think he was dying with all that blood. And then eventually there was an older lady who was a treater and she prayed for him and prayed on him and stuff. And um, he never had another nosebleed again. So that's something that I remember from our youth, um, especially with us sharing your bedroom. Um, that's that's and, a, no, um, I mean, I told that story to someone less than two weeks ago that they were talking about nosebleeds really? and I said, yeah, you might not ever believe this, but I had nosebleeds when I was a kid and then this woman came and prayed over me and I never had a nosebleed again. Like, that's like that's a real mm-hmm. story on some crazy left field type yeah. stuff. Like, you don't believe in that. A lot of people don't believe in that type of things, but it was bad. I used to have bad nosebleeds at school and stuff too, so. Every night, yeah. I, you had them night, like, you would just start gushing blood at night. And, um... Then I was talking about Papa Joe being a treater and using spider webs, but I don't know why Mama told me about that. But they don't really have real stuff for that. I mean, they don't they don't really have a real story about it. They just say he used spider webs and they don't know what he was doing. So did they stick him in people's nose? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> another childhood thing that I remember. Oh, Aldo Nice. Do you remember Nella? Uh, I just my sister. Our <laughs> <laughs> younger sister that passed. You're stupid. No, why are you stupid? Why are you stupid? <laughs> so we can talk about Nella. If we talk about Nella, we talking about um Lake Placid in that window in Baton Rouge. Like, like it's either like like we could go there. We could go there if you want to go. We could talk about that wheelchair in the back room. Like we could go there. Like like if, if like I'm. I'm with the I'm with the foolishness, but I I think. But you said childhood. You said childhood. None of those things were childhood. <laughs> oh, you oh, was a gr- we wasn't in the house. You was a big grown ass like my mama would say. You a big tw- a big nineteen year old woman. <laughs> but what a night! Well, what a nineteen year old little girl look like going outside. <laughs> oh, just like a big seventeen year old boy taking a bath. <laughs> Nah, that is a crazy thing that I was in a, I was six foot two in a twin size bed, um, taking a bath to all the way through high school. They ain't even hooked me up with no shower, man. My parents, they didn't love me. <laughs> they didn't love me. But you had your own room. I did have my own room. That is, um, and I had a little window that I could hop out of. So we was, we was good over there, man. It was a, it was a good time. It was a good time. Hey, look. Wait, you hopped out that window? Listen, um, Kristen, it was... Awesome having you on the podcast. Um, hopefully, we got some really good information to get to people, and I think people are going to appreciate that once again. That whole idea of um, how you we'll just call this one homeschool one on one or something like that, and we'll throw this up this week. Um, so, man, like I said, I definitely appreciate you sitting here with us, and like I said, we'll do it. We'll definitely do it again. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like, That's it. Do, sure, do they, do I, I like any? to really. T- I, I enjoy talking about my my adventures. <laughs> especially my um my my penal reforms. You stupid dude. Is there any um site that they need to go to and maybe sign a petition or something for some penal reform? No, not at this time. We're just we're trying to make sure the governor has time to do the things that he needs to do for the state of people who think that this is a joke because 
Texas has closed the borders to us. Oh yeah, the absolutely. Y'all got to y'all got to quarantine for fourteen days if y'all come here. But let me ask you this: if I if I tell everybody in um if if Keith tell everybody in Angola about the podcast, do I get a listen? Can I get a whole bunch of streams just by having them boys listen? I don't think that they have the devices needed to be able to listen to a podcast. So basically, you're telling me them boys in jail ain't got phones. No, not any Monk of the not any Monk of the men that I know. I believe you. No one that I know has any type of device that is capable of listening to a podcast. of transmitting or receiving audio. I got you. Now I'm messing with you. Hey, right, look. Well, they was, actually like said, have they have they have tablets now. So Keith has a little tablet and he so can watch go. movies and stuff on it. But I don't think it links to podcasts. Well, we'll figure that out. Look, once again, thanks for having you. Oh man, and we'll do this again, man. See y'all next time. Until next time, have a great weekday. Make it a make it a best friend weekday. And we are. Nothing nice to say, but I'll go nice. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing nice to say. Yeah, ain't got nothing nice to say. So I won't say nothing at all. I ain't nothing nice. You hear me?